You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Hartigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hartigan. That's I am. James, I probably should even tell you this, but when I was making the running order for this episode, I, I had to look up which number it was. You see, part of me <laughs> thinks that's just a bit, but most of it's... me knows that that is the reality of your mind, your brain, your... <laughs> what is wrong with you? I don't know. I was just like, ah, oh, crap. I got, I'm going to make. I'm going to be really detail-oriented and make a good running order with no mistakes. What episode number is it? Oh, that's right. It's episode number 101 coming up on today's show. Uh... I would normally think it's cheating to create content for this show by wrapping up the last show, but (laughs) Poker in the Air is live and in person was such an event, such a spectacle that we're going to have to do some instant reminiscing here and today. And then next week, we promise to move on. (laughs) No, next week, we're going to recap today's show. Uh, Specifically, uh, the events that took place after the show, including the Poker in the Air's live free roll. Uh, Of course, there'll be some adventures in online poker to speak of, as me and James both played in the poker in the ears free roll over the weekend. I also played some real money poker. Spoiler alert, I hate poker. Oh, I'm uh, assuming then that uh, your bank balance is currently at zero. It's pretty, well, no, 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 it's not. You know why? Because I re-fucking deposited. Okay. Uh, we are going <laughs> uh, to uh, have some social media to cover, but I am in too good of a mood from the live show for social media beefs. And Christopher Wathen... Wathan is a super fan of both this show and of Archer, so we shall combine those facts later on when he challenges me for, I don't know, this kid's already won some swag, so I'm not sure what he's going to win, but uh, we'll work it out. This is a really strange experience because I feel we've come down so many notches from last week because obviously we were on a stage, we had a live audience, and now not only are you not in the same room as me, not only are you on an internet connection, but I can't even see your face because we've had some Wi-Fi problems and we're having to go with no video feed this week. So this feels really kind of like bargain basement compared to episode 100. Uh, yeah, it kind of does. It's a little bit. Look, we'll we'll just call it a little bit of a come down after the high that was uh, last week's show. But it's all right. You know, you got it. There's got to be peaks and valleys. That's how. Uh, that's how you can notice a difference. Uh, James, we didn't really do any movie talk on the last show because it seemed like it would be boring. We just did a. <laughs> we just did a 25 minute interview with a uh, movie actor and director. But apart from that, there was absolutely no movie conversation at all. All right, you're right, but it wasn't like the one we like. I'm about to do and say on the plane back from uh, England this time. I watched Wonder Woman, and it was as good as everyone says it I'm is. So it was glad. awesome. I bought it on iTunes with the intention of watching it last weekend. Didn't find the opportunity, so this weekend I will sit down and watch it, and I'm really excited about it. It is great. Gal Gadot is like magical. She gives me goosebumps. She like I'm I'm I've not had a crush on a movie star this bad for a really long time. I figured it was going to be good when she was the only thing that saved Batman versus Superman from being a complete dumpster fire. Yeah, it, it's it's excellent. Uh, last night I saw Kingsman two. James, I was a huge fan of Kingsman. Like love, love, love that yeah, movie. Yeah, we've talked about that, and I, I, I mean, I was very late to the party. I saw it after everyone else had, and I thought it was fine, but I didn't think it was the masterpiece that many people made it out to be. Uh, well, the second one is really plot and character and story heavy, so there's a few of those like 
action scene set pieces, but in my opinion, not enough. It's a long movie. It's 141 minutes long. Well, talking of long movies, I went to see the Blade Runner sequel on Monday. For the first time in forever, I got to see a film at the cinema before Joe Stapleton, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I saw this before its LA premiere, um, and I have to I say... I was actually pretty pissed off about that. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, if you'd stayed an extra day, you could have been my plus one. Oh, you actually went to like a th- like an event. It was, was an event. This was a, an actual screening. Um, so yes, so went to see this film... Obviously, with mixed expectations, because already the reviews have been, you know, out days in advance from various film festival and critic screenings. And everyone is declaring this a five star masterpiece and saying it's one of the best films of the year. Some people say it surpasses the original. So going and I'm like, oh, God, I really want to like this. Dennis Villanueva can't make a bad movie. You're you are right and this is not a bad movie this is a great movie and i did say at the time my instant reaction to it on twitter was that it is one of the most beautifully crafted films i think i've ever seen not just in terms of denny villeneuve's direction but also roger deakin's cinematography the production design the world they have created which obviously is very much based around the original but then expands upon it takes that forward and moves it on 30 years it just is such a visual treat and you know me i'm not a fan of going to the cinema i don't necessarily feel that all films have to be watched in the theater but this is a movie which you should probably try and find the biggest possible screen that you can see it on and you know, I just loved every single frame of this movie. It's so lovingly constructed. I also like the fact that there are some very intelligent themes being explored. Anyone who saw Arrival will know that Denis Villeneuve brings an emotional depth to his films that is not present in a lot of sci-fi cinema. But, and there is a but here, Uh-oh. it is so long. It's pushing three hours. And I know that the original Blade Runner was a slow-paced movie, and this film is trying to replicate that pace. But the narrative is such that you could have condensed it into two two hours ten maybe and it did really feel its length and i really would like to watch it again probably at home to to give it a a proper second appraisal and form a final opinion because sadly it just kind of brought it down a notch for me that i'm just thinking won't that seem like won't that seem like a chore to you to like when you have to watch it again like whatever i'm looking down the barrel of watching a three-hour movie again i'm like even if i love the movie i'm like oh man that's a big chunk of my life no but i want to see it again and i do want to you know enjoy it again because i did genuinely enjoy it and i i, I want to make it clear i am nitpicking to a certain degree but ultimately if you are going to invest that amount of time in a film it does need to justify its running time and i'm not at the moment 100 percent convinced that blade runner 2049 does that well i mean i'll take that i'll take not 100 percent convinced by the way De- danny villeneuve yeah he's french canadian right okay well i just i've been saying it very 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 wrong and i'm glad that i know what the right one is uh, i gotta I have one of the all-time great movie questions to ask you, James. I can't believe that we've never had this conversation before. Maybe we've been married so long. I've just forgotten it. Um, I'm seeing this on Friday for my birthday. We got eight tickets purchased. I'm not seeing it at IMAX, but I'm seeing it at you know at the ArcLight in LA. Yeah. It'll be a big you know it'll be a good projection and all that. Um, if someone is coming to see this movie who has not seen Blade Runner. Do I show that person the voiceover version or the non-voiceover version? Show them the final cut, the version that came out on Blu-ray in 2007, for sure. That should be that is by far and away the best version of the film. What I will say though, and this is also in response to various people who've asked me on Twitter, 
Is it uh, okay? Will I enjoy this if I didn't like the original? Can I watch it if I haven't seen the original? And the answer to all those questions is yes. It definitely complements the original really well. It uh, you probably you might like it if you didn't like the first one, and yes, you will probably you could enjoy it potentially if you haven't seen the first one. It works as a standalone movie. Cool, excellent. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. We're, we're doing a little birthday movie on Friday, so. Do you know what I saw for my birthday movie? The most unforgettable birthday movie I've ever seen. Unforgettable in a good way or a bad way? Bad way. Oh dear, what was it? Get Carter. The American version, right? The Stallone version. Why the and fuck the would you even go to see that? Because it was we were in college. It was Friday night. What are we going to go see on my birthday? I would oh, rather the rent thing. the DVD of the Michael Caine version and stay at home and watch that. You would have been so better off. Well, James, we were only a bunch of film students and didn't know that there was another version. When I was a film student, Joe, I was more than aware <laughs> that there was a 1971 film called Get Carter, directed by Mike Hodges. Because you went to film school in England. Hey, uh, by the that's way, that's got nothing to do with it. To get into my film school, you had to know this shit. Of course, it has something to do with it. You can't say it has nothing to do with it. The best part about this, James, is that we went and bought our tickets. And then uh, we, we were a little early, so we were playing video games in the arcade. And when I went to go into the theater, uh, I couldn't find my ticket. So I actually bought two tickets wow. to see Gat Carter. That's not something you should be admitting in a public <laughs> forum. Talking of public forums, let's get across the socials. I gotta read. I wanted to do this in the live show. I have to read this one Facebook message that I got. Now, I don't read all the messages I get on, on the air because, to be honest, they're mostly pretty boring. But... Um, this one really was near and dear to my heart. This is from a guy named uh, Anthony Biaini, who says, You just made the funniest comment ever. Okay, great. I'm listening. You just made the funniest comment ever on Poker After Dark. <laughs> I'd never consume so much if it weren't for your commentary. Just wanted to tell you as much. <laughs> now, there's one of two things here. Either... <laughs> This chap is confused about who you are, or he's confused about what he's watching. I mean, I think it's, uh, in my mind, I'm way more amused by this if he thinks that Ali Najad is <laughs> Yes, I agree. I would be equally amused if that was the actual reality. Um, and so a lot of times what I'll do is I will tell people, like, I'll be like, that's not my show. I don't know what you're talking about. I'll just be kind of short and irritable with them. But in this case, I really... This guy tickled me so much that I just wrote back. I appreciate this more than you can know. Thank you. <laughs> uh, there's a message I would like to read as well, Joe, uh, which is from someone on Twitter called Katita Campana, who was complaining that they had applied for Superfan versus Stapes and been overlooked. The reason they've been overlooked? They emailed their application to nuts at pokestars.tv. Oh this is how big a superfan Katita Campana is that they were still using the email address that we dropped back in 2012. That's how far back this person goes with us. And to prove it even further, Katita Campana typed out their resume of why they should be considered for Superfan versus Stapes. Now, I appreciate a lot of people listening to the show will not get all these references, but if you do, you can consider yourself to be the superest of superfans. I won't get all these references, I'm sure. Katita Campana writes, 
I have been to the island of Satirius Katupas. I've gone okay. undercover with Special Agent Frank Calfon. <laughs> I've met Gary Turnbuckle. I know it's always coming seven. I know what you need to finish building a house. It's a brick. It's a brick. <laughs> you don't want to mess with Nicky Petrangelo. Olashemian makes me go all Cougar Town, but I don't feel the need to squee for Mike McDonald. I donned a hat for the Scandi Barcelona final. I've heard the Chop Pot song so many times, I've gone full circle from love to indifference to hate to love again. <laughs> Me encanta El Camontador, and I can't believe Stapes has never met him. I've seen many a strange creature in my travels. Hard to get anyone. I've sent James pictures of cats. After hearing him say while and weather, I've asked Lee Jones to say cool whip. You know what year it is? It's the year of Romania. I know that Joe coined the phrase chip in a chair. Vladimir Troinovsky is only 27 years old. As nah of the hill, people. Yannick rang, did he? I'd like to give Don Patmat a pat on the back for his patented Don Patmat fact. Jake Cody's dad face. But I think there was only one in there that I didn't get. That was awesome, by the way. Round of applause. <laughs> yeah, round of applause for Katina Capena. Uh, Hardiganet? I, I didn't get that one either. The Heart oh, of Gannet. Man. The Heart of Gannet. I think I remember that now. Oh my God! Yes, it was some kind of ju- jewelry, like the sh- the Shambhala bracelet. We were oh my God! Or something. The Heart of Gannet. Anyway, I have told Katita Campana that if he or she submits an application for the show on Twitter using the hashtag Poker in the Ears, fast he track or she that shit. will be fast tracked. So check on the timeline, Joe, and see what specialist subjects have been nominated. Because if you are in, they are in. Oh, I'm so in. That's that was what that was delightful. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, so much reaction to last week's show. I don't think we can read through all the tweets that came in, but thank you to everyone who not only came to the Hippodrome, but also who tweeted after the show. And those of you who couldn't make it to the Hippodrome for whatever reason for listening you to the show, blew it, you losers, as well. <laughs> thank you so much uh, for your comments and for tweeting your photos of us awkwardly posing with you outside the theatre, which leads us nicely into our recap of episode 100 of the show. Event Recap. Event Recap. So I don't think we have to really mention too much how over the moon me and James are. We got... A nice pat on the back from our bosses, which was nice. Uh, a couple of our bosses finally realized that people care about us, which was cool. Um, there's some stuff that happened behind the scenes that we didn't really get to talk about on the on the night. I thought might be fun to talk about now. A uh, one is when you guys heard me ask that question of Chris Moneymaker. I had actually run out into the crowd and was wearing like a like a wig and sunglasses and a fake mustache, um, <laughs> which I realized didn't make it to the audio version of the show. Uh, Liv was supposed to be a part of the show. She dropped out last second, so we had to do some scrambling to like change her bits around. I was actually supposed to get into costume and ask Liv why she never dated Stapes was the gag I was going for, but we didn't get to do that because she wasn't there. Uh, Dexter Fletcher, when he got off the elevator, he was like genuinely happy to see us, even though we had never met before. He seemed like he was a fan. That was cool. Um, I did forget, James, that when I did my stand-up that it was going to like live forever in podcast form and that like drunk white girls bit is kind of my closer. Oh, so I, I know, because you don't like to put stuff on YouTube, do you? Because you want people who come to the show to see it fresh. And now, of course, you've burnt that material. 
Yeah, that one is. Uh, so you're probably going to see that again if you come see me in the next uh, five to 17 years for as long as I'm going to use that bit for. Um, I did forget some of my my warm up jokes that I wanted to do in the middle of that. It seems like it went fine, but it pisses me off to leave something on the table. James, serious question. I went on stage with two beers. I, I finished one of them. Did you hide the other one? No. What happened to that fucking beer? Well, we had Jake Cody on stage, so I said that's a good bet. <laughs> and moneymakers, so I guess. All right. I'm sorry to accuse you. You were just like a little worried backstage beforehand when you saw me. I had like a glass of wine in one hand and a beer in another. And you were like, uh. And I was like, it's just props. Trust me. <laughs> just props. To be fair, you also had forgotten that you had the glass of wine at the point that you got the beer. Your memory really is bad. No, I hadn't forgotten. I just, you can't take a glass of wine on stage as a prop. Like, it's just, it just looks, <laughs> looks stupid. But James, you were nervous uh, right before we went on stage. You were nervous that day. And granted, you had like a lot of stuff that you had to deal with way more than me. I pretty much had to just worry about the content of the show. Oh, you, I mean, we had, we had that last minute snap food too, where we couldn't draw a name out of a hat. Yeah, initially we were going to draw the superfan at random and then we're told that you can't do a lottery inside a casino. So that's why it had to be a trivia-based question. And we just looked at each other and realized, ah, oh, you know, I'm wearing a Roger Moore t-shirt. You're wearing that vile red shirt from the uh, skits in <laughs> Monaco. Let's see if there's anyone out there who remembers when we last kind of did something around uh, Roger Moore. So yeah, that's that's that was a, a literally a last second bit of improv. And... Um how dare you call that shirt vile by the way that shirt was a big hit um now i tried to give james for once by the way james has always kind of been my mentor um you know for as long as we've been working together and for once i had to be like hey man it's all gonna be fine it's great when there's a crowd it'll eventually like in the first minute or two it'll start to lift you up rather than freak you out and you'll actually be better you'll start to like really step into it and did that end up being true, James? It did end up being true. Uh, obviously, it was such a great crowd, and everyone was on our side, and everyone clearly was enjoying the show, and you do feed off that. And as I said, this week is really weird to basically come back to basics. And as I said, it's the fact that we've not just gone down one notch by not having an audience, but the fact that we're not in the same country uh, also makes it slightly weird. Yeah, you know, but it, that's... Uh Luckily, we have the chemistry and the history to be able to pull that off. You know, when I when my other podcast, uh, the one you know Huff and Staves, was something we decided to stop doing, uh, we just didn't think we could swing it from a distance. We just didn't think that the magic would be there. And the fact that we can like still come close to that, I think, says a lot about how long you and I have been breathing each other's farts um far too many years should we talk about the actual free roll afterwards yeah. because uh, obviously people who couldn't be there didn't get to play in this event i think everyone who came had a seat in the free roll uh i think this may be the second shortest i've ever lasted in any poker tournament ever i once played a game in the gut shot back at the day where i went out on the very first hand in this game oh, i think shit. i lasted four hands it was half an orbit but in my defense i did get it in with the nuts I flopped the nuts with 10-9 on a queen-jack-8 board, check-raised the flop, and then got it on the turn. And the villain, Sean McCarthy, uh, had king-queen of diamonds for top pair in a flush draw. In a turbo, this is a hand that plays itself. Neither player did anything wrong. It was for fate to decide. The diamond came on the river, and I was pretty much done. But Joe, you had, I think, your best ever run in a poker tournament ever. Uh, maybe not in any poker tournament ever, but certainly recently and certainly during my tenure playing at the Hippodrome, it was by far my best finish. Uh, I finished in third place. 
I um, it was it was actually it was perfect because like of course you're still always a little irritated when you go broke in a poker tournament. This is the least irritated I've ever been. I think just I'll, to set the scene. Joe came into the final table, the final nine, with a monster chip lead. And when they were five-handed, Joe had roughly 70% of the chips in play. And we were all looking at him like, you can't win this. Number one, because it wouldn't be right. And number two, because the ticket's going to go to waste. You can't play that tournament in Prague. But it's not like you donked it off. With it being a turbo, all it took was a couple of flips for you to lose. And suddenly you no longer had that dominant chip lead. Yeah, I did not have to try to lose was the thing. Uh, very cool as I knocked out Dexter Fletcher, which meant I got his 100-pound bounty. I was able to give that back to the staff. I said to, I gave it to Carrie Jane and said, can you please just divide this up between the dealers and the uh, and the, the wait staff? Nice. Um, I wanted to make sure, you know, whoever deserved it. Or I just wanted to, Obviously, I was like, oh, 100 pounds. I finally pro- – oh, no, I didn't. I have to give this back. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then yeah, once I found out that I was ineligible for the top prizes because the top prize was a trip to Prague to play a one k, uh, that I was gonna be there for anyway. I was like, great. Well, now if I lose, I don't have to be that upset. Through, I did not throw the game at all. I didn't do anything, but I did happen to go out in third place because that's what happens. You just ship it in a couple times and you of lose, course. and it's game over. But I did win something, right? You did. In the third place, you won a 170-pound mega stack ticket. Now, the next mega stack and those people who cashed in the free roll for a mega stack ticket are being enrolled into the next mega stack, which is at the Hippodrome in October. Um, but, Joe, I don't think you're going to be in London then, so maybe they can defer that ticket till next year. That would be very, very most much excellent. And by the way, I, I ran like God uh, until I finally went out. James watched me win two flips. It was crazy. <laughs> Never happened before. I think it was a Miracle River card on one occasion as well. Yeah, I think that, and that's what I consider running like God, by the way, for me. It's winning two hands. <laughs> uh, talking of people winning stuff, let's do some poker news. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Ears News. And we start with the World Championship of Online Poker. When we recorded last week's show, uh, we expected to do our kind of WCOOP recap, but the main event final table was still being played. It was won by a gentleman called Stephen Van Zadelhoff, who plays online as SVZFF, and he won the main event. He won the main event for 1.6 million dollars besting the huge field in the five thousand two hundred dollar no limit holder main event he's a dutchman who plays in malta has a few live results as well plays on many of the pokestars events throughout europe um just to give you the final stats on wcoop joe 90 million dollars plus in prize money across the festival, one thousand and sorry, one hundred and seven thousand unique players competing in one hundred and sixty-four tournaments, and the biggest main event since twenty ten. That is that is really good news all around. That's fantastic. I can't even believe that that many people have $5,000 to play an online poker tournament. That's just I mean, nuts. Obviously, many people will have satellite satellited. I'm sure that there would have been staking arrangements going on as well. Uh, but the most baller thing about this is, you know, that first prize, $1.6 million, that was the advertised first place. No deal was done. Three-handed... <laughs> three-handed a player proposed a deal asking do you want to see the numbers and van zadelhoff's reaction was yeah we can make it winner take all wow so they played on 
And he took it down and he won that huge score for winning it with no deal being done. He did not want million. He want 1.6 million. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, live poker being played last week as well. Uh, we had Jake Cody and Chris Moneymaker on the show. Both guys went to Dublin to play in the festival there. Congratulations to Gary McGinty, who took down the main event for 91,808 euros. Uh, Gary's 29 years old, works at a waste management company, uh, finished third in a WCOOP event a fortnight before Dublin. So congratulations to him for winning the main. And congratulations to friend of this show, Max Silver, who took down the 2K High Roller event for 45,000 euros. High Row Silver! Fraser McIntyre was the runner-up in that event for 32,000 euros. Um, Dublin, looks like it was a lot of fun. Looks like it was a very successful event. Interestingly, Joe, lots of sports stars in attendance. Uh, a couple of footballers and seven-time snooker world champion Stephen Hendry. Uh, since being in Dublin, Stephen has now gone to China, but I'm very glad to say that even though it's some ungodly hour of the night there in China, Stephen has agreed to join us on the line from his hotel room. So please welcome to Poker in the Ears, Stephen Hendry. Hi there, Stephen. <laughs> I'm very pleased to be here. Uh, clearly a man who likes to travel... I have to ask, <laughs> it, it, China, I'm assuming this isn't a poker thing. This must be a snooker thing. Um, well, it's, it's actually neither. It's like Chinese 8-ball. Um, I'm, I'm an ambassador for um, the, the, the Chinese version of 8-ball pool. Um, so I'm here to do, um, there's a tournament start, a big tournament starting tomorrow in, in, in northern uh, China. I won't even try and uh, pronounce the city that I am. <laughs> um, but, it's, but I'm here to do like just a speech for the opening ceremony. I'm basically travel to China for basically 10 minutes. Is pool and snooker similar enough that you being there is applicable? Like, are you good at both games? No, I'm, I'm hopeless at pool. I don't like it. I, I basically think it's a Mickey Mouse game. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, Mickey Mouse is American. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I apologize if I upset all pool lovers <laughs> in, in, the, in the, poker, the poker spectrum. But um, to me, it's like um, it's, snooker and pool, it's like checkers and chess. That, that's what that, that's that's the best way I can I can wow. describe it. Shots fired. Um, let's talk about <laughs> Dublin, Stephen. Obviously, you were there last yeah. week for the Poker Stars Festival. Um, it was one of those events where I was really annoyed that I couldn't be there because it looked like mm -hmm. it was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, I mean, any weekend in Dublin is going to be fun. There's no doubt about that. Um, but um, yeah, it, it, it was fantastic. Um, it was my third festival for Poker Stars um, since I've been involved with them, and uh, yeah, I mean to. My, my first my first target was to make day two. Uh, I played in Marbella and was half an hour from doing that. Um, so I was determined to do it this time. And obviously, when you make day two, then then it's make the money. That just sounds amazing to me because uh, I've never made a dinner break or a day two or anything of any <laughs> poker tournament. So that's quite the goal. I'm glad you got there. <laughs> Thanks very much. Cheers. It was a great buzz. Uh, I mean, obviously, you can see the big board and you can see, obviously, there were pins 79 um, and you could see it come down when it got to like a hundred. Then it's like twenty-one to go. And you, um, the the one thing that made it a little bit easy for me is I was completely card dead for for day two. So basically, I had no decisions to make. So I didn't get involved in any hands. So if I had like the kind of sort of hands where I might have got involved, I might not have lasted. So in in that way, it helped me the bit like like having no cards whatsoever. You mentioned Stephen. This is your third Poker Stars Festival. How much poker? Mm. Do you actually find time to play amongst everything else that you have to do? 
Um, well, I'm, 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 I'm trying to play more now because obviously being, being involved with Poker Stars, I want to, I want to justify their, um, their, their trusted me to, to make me an ambassador. So I want to, I want to play more. I used to play a lot, um, but kind of got disillusioned because I was so bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, when this opportunity came around to, to play for Poker Stars, it was brilliant. And, um, but yeah, so, so I'm, I'm going to start playing a bit more online again. And, um, I think I've got another mega stack in the Hippodrome in London around about the 20th of October. Um, so yeah, I, I want to try and play. I want to get better. Um, I don't want to just turn up as a, like a, a face at these events. Um, I, I want to actually be like serious and, and, and try and win some money. Now, Joe and I were at the Hippodrome last week because we did our 100th episode live in the theatre there. And many of the guys from the Hippodrome Poker Room say that you've become a bit of a semi-reg there, that actually you've been spending a lot of time <laughs> at the tables trying to hone your talents. Um, I did. My, my girlfriend was actually working in London one Saturday night and I went along um, while she was doing that to, to pass two or three hours away in a cash game. And it was very interesting because, like, I witnessed someone getting thrown out from the table, which I'd never seen before. <laughs> but I suppose, I suppose, I suppose, Saturday nights is not the best time to go to the cash room. In the, in the Saturday nights in any um, casino anywhere in the world, you are going to see anything and everything. Absolutely, but um, but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, tr- I'm trying trying to play a bit more and more and more. And um, as I say, I want to improve. Um, and you know, I want to be taken. You know, I'm never going to be at the level of the, the, the pros. I mean, or, or the people that play the game your day in day out. But I want to at least maybe try and earn a little tiny little bit of respect. Do yeah. you have the time to dedicate to that? Because I mean, the guys who are at the top of the game are playing a hundred hours a week. Yeah, well, that, I mean that that's that's probably the million dollar question. I, I I wouldn't have the time to to actually dedicate it to. I mean, obviously when I was when I was the best player in the world at snooker. You know, you had you have to dedicate your life to something that you want to be the best at. And I was playing six, seven hours a day, you know, six days a week. And that's what you have to do if you want to get to the top. I'm obviously not going to be able to do that at poker. So, you know, at the end of the day, it, it is a hobby. It's something I enjoy doing. And it's a great opportunity with Poker Stars have given me to, to play these events. Um, but as, as much time as I can um, devote to it, I'm going to try and get better. So I guess when talking, you know, you mentioned uh, that you're the best snooker player in the world uh, at a certain point. Uh, you were, you know, I, I don't really know that much about snooker being an American and I did some reading mm. up on you. And, you know, it turns out that you were the best snooker player in the world, uh, maybe the youngest best snooker player in the world. Mm-hmm. You you sound really normal. Um, now, anyone can sound normal over the phone, I guess. But <laughs> did that did that like usually be achieving fame that young and being the best in the world at something that young uh, can kind of mess people up? Did you ever go through a, a period where, you know, your ego ran out of control, or or did you run into any problems being famous at such a young age? Not not really. I, th- I think um, staying, being born and bred in Scotland and staying in Scotland was a help. I think uh, I was going to say that from... exact same thing. It's just something about yeah. the Scottish people. It's just I don't know. You sound more down to earth. Yeah, I, th- I think um, there's a thing a, a, a bond with like the Celtic people, like Ireland, Scotland, Wales. They they, they do keep their, their their people down down their feet on the ground. Um, obviously, having good good family, good solid family background behind you, and, and um, you know like everything and management was good and everything was was fine. But I just don't think I'm the person to go um, to go to go mental with fame or things like that. Um, I just all all I was interested in was winning tournaments and winning snooker tournaments and being the best. I wasn't interested in um, fame or 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 um, the lifestyle or, or or things that that you know that goes with it. I I just want to be the best player in the world. Is there a snooker lifestyle? Like, could it have gotten dark if you if you'd gone oh, that way? Yeah. 
Yeah, there's two or three players that have gone down that road through the years. Uh, I mean, I mean, Jimmy White, Alex Higgins, um, people that have been well documented that have enjoyed the party lifestyle. Jimmy, Jimmy White, obviously from London, lived in London, so obviously had had that that distraction. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, there was there was there was a chance. Um, but no, I, I was I was never interested in that to be, to, to be honest. Um, I just I just wanted to be the best. I mean, it might sound boring to your listeners. It might sound a bit sad, but. Um, yeah, all I want to do was win. I mean, that's what it takes to be the best most of the time, though. You have to be focused. We talked about it already. You just mentioned this fella, Jimmy White. Didn't he win some big poker tournament once, too? He did. He, he won the Poker Million once. Um, the, he won one of the, the first. When when the boom started, sort of early 2000s, obviously after Moneymaker winning, winning, who I met in Dublin, by the way. He, he, he was a lovely guy. Lovely guy. Um, it's all a show. It's all yeah, a you show. Yeah, you didn't get to know him enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so so like yeah, poker became became massive, and it was on every TV channel in the UK, um, and there was big events. And, and yeah, Jimmy won. Jimmy won a massive event, um, and another snooker player won one as well, Matthew Stevens. So um, yeah, it, it was it was it was really big. But but the, the, to be, I mean, I don't want to take it away from them. But the events they were winning basically you had to win three final tables, three tables of ten. It wasn't like going in a room. Um, you know, I'm I'm going I'm going to big myself up here. I came 56 out of 544. Yeah, I mean, you that, did. That, 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 I mean, that took some patience. <laughs> I think we should also highlight your win at the start of the year. Was it the media event in London that you won? <laughs> well, I, I, I'd, I'd like I'd like to say that was a major event win, but um, but listen, at the end of the day, I've got a spade. I've got the poker star spade, and that that is always going to be there. A, a trophy is a trophy. A title is a title. <laughs> well, I tell I tell you how much the, the media event meant to me. I didn't realize at the time, but when I when I played the one at Dublin, and I was defending my title, I tried so hard, and I was gutted to go out of it. So that obviously means it meant a lot. I will contend that Stephen winning a media event in 2017 is much more difficult than Jimmy White winning like a three-table <laughs> sit-and-go back in the 70s or whatever the fuck it was because <laughs> poker media is good at poker. And also, all of the bloody pros play the media event. It's that they always I, I think... Knocked out, I, I knocked out Liv Burry and I knocked out Philippe... Um, what's, what's Philippe's Ramos. second name? I can't remember. So, yes, I knocked out those two. So that, that, that was cool. One of the things that I read about also is that it seems like you kind of invented a strategy for snooker. I'm, I'm thinking, why don't you just do the same thing for poker? Like, revolutionize the game. Come up with a whole new thing. Then you can be the champion you want to be. Well, I mean, if, if I had to translate my snooker game that I played to poker, basically it would just be every time I was in a hand, I'd just go all in. <laughs> so I think I think they used to call that, was it the kill fill method? Is that, is that what they used to call that? It was just like, just go all, all in every, every hand. Just, it'd just take, but I mean, basically in, in Dublin at the weekend, when obviously the, the day two you're involved in, there's better players at, at your table. So I had to take their skill out of it. So a lot of times my only move was to go all in because um, I was never going to be able to beat them after the flop. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that you translate to snooker. That was my game. I was very aggressive. I just wanted to take a risk, go for a long pot, pot it, and then try and clear the table. Well, do you think uh, you got time to play one of my dumb games, Stephen? It's after eleven at night in China. I've had a bottle of red wine, so I'm up for anything. Nice. Oh, speaking of which, speaking of which, how's the Chinese food there? Oh my god, I, I love Chinese food. Now, I, my first time I came to China was 1987. I was 17 or 18, and I hated it. Now I would try almost anything. The weirdest thing I've eaten is bear's claw. Wow. And he doesn't mean a type of donut. 
<laughs> no, I guess you wouldn't. <laughs> All right, Stephen. So uh, I think I only messed up the pronunciation of the word snooker one time during this interview. I think I did it at the beginning. And you, uh, I assume at this point, do you get, are you easily offended by if someone says snooker instead of snooker if they're a stupid American not, like me? Not at all. Okay, because I've been corrected many, 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 many times by various people. Usually me. Uh, who say it's snooker, not snooker. So what I'm going to do is you're going to play a game right now where every these are just very simple trivia questions, but all answers must be recited in the form of a snooker instead okay. of snooker, if you make sense. So Can we're just you provide the- an example, Joe? Because I'm already confused. Sure, James. Like a woman who sells her body is often referred to as a prostitute or a... Oh, so you would say hookah. A hooker, that is correct. Ah, okay, okay. I all right, so, it. all right, we're going to let you have a lifeline. You can, uh, you can uh, Hector a heart again if you need help with one of these questions. Here we go, right now. Uh, someone who's known as a thief could also be called a uh, pass. We were looking. We were looking for for the word crook or crook. Oh, we, I, I was going for crooker. There's nothing that ends with ER. That's what you... you no, ER is fine. You could, ER would have worked. I'll give you ER. Oh, uh, I would have got crook as well. I was, I was looking for an ER. Sorry. That's right. We'll call that one, we'll call that one a uh, warm-up. Next so, one crucially, here. it's just the ook sound, not the urban. Yep. Got it. Correct. Yep. Yes. Uh, Jamie Oliver and Gordon Ramsay both got famous from... Cooking. Cooking is correct. There we go. Now we're, now we're, now we're cooking with gas. Uh, an, an American puppet who enjoys eating what y'all call a biscuit. Cookie monster. Cookie monster <laughs> is correct. Someone who illegally takes a bet would be a... Bookie. A boot. I don't know. I don't think I heard it right that time. A bookmaker. Bookmaker. Uh, 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 did you say a bookmaker? A bookmaker. There it is. Got it. Uh, this Lewis Carroll book is the sequel to Alice in Wonderland. The Looking Glass. Through the Looking Glass, <laughs> I will give it to him. This English the muffin. Of my career, I just have to say that. Uh, if I had a dollar for every time someone has said that on this show, honestly, um, I'd be a rich man. English muffins are said to have both these and crannies. Oh, uh, oh! I think I have to pass that one. Do you want a Hector Blue a heart again? Blueberries. Blueberries. <laughs> <laughs> James, you got a guess on this one? Well, if the other word is crannies, I'm going to say the first word has to be nukes. Nukes and crannies is correct. Okay, one last I've question here. I've never heard of a muffin having nukes and crannies. I haven't either, uh, but I've heard of nooks and crannies, so I guessed if the second part was crannies, the yeah. first part had to be nooks. Process of elimination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my, my wine consumage went way over that. <laughs> All right, last question here. James, How much? Uh, what's the score right now? How many did you get right? I think I've got five. Five, okay. By the way, I donate to charity for this stuff, Stephen, for every question you get right. One, one last chance to earn some money for charity. Okay. From the movie Star Wars, Chewbacca is a what? Um, oh no. Oh. I can't get it. I'm sorry. I'm past. I know James is is dying to get this one. It's a Wookiee. 
A Wookiee. Uh, devastation. <laughs> Steven, I'm so glad that we were able to be with you for the highlight of your career. Uh, good luck. Get, see if they'll give you some uh, takeout containers of that Chinese food because I want to try it. <laughs> Cheers. Poker in the ears. Huge thanks to Stephen Hendry for coming on the show. I appreciate, Joe, he's not someone who's on your radar, but I used to follow snooker as a kid, and I remember very much when I was like 14, 15 years old, Stephen Hendry winning his first world championship title. He was the young hero who's only 21 years old, and so he was a bit of a sporting icon for me. So really great to have him on. Two great guests in a row, Dexter Fletcher and Stephen Hendry. Guys, not necessarily known as poker players, but poker fans, and really good to have them as guests. I do have a question that I didn't want to be offensive when I asked this. So, it, and I, it's I really don't have an opinion either way. Whatever people say is right. Uh, but is snooker a sport? I guess I think it's a sport. Yes. I mean, I would consider it a sport. I guess I just wonder what the general public opinion is. I think the public opinion is very much it's a sport, and it's a very popular spectator sport. When the big events are on TV, when they're live on TV, they still pull in really big numbers. Well, it's like magic. I mean, watching a really good, I mean, I, I equate billiards and, and or uh, either pool and snooker to be, you know, similar skill sets. Uh, it's like watching a magic trick. It's really pretty fucking incredible. These guys are good at it. I can see why um, this guy would have been a household name. It's pretty cool yeah. to watch. Yeah. Um, so Stephen mentioned that he is going to be at the Hippodrome in late October to play the next Mega Stack event, an event which we mentioned earlier on, Joe, you sadly can't make should point out that this coming weekend is the London series event at the Hippodrome. Again, Joe can't make it, but I will be there yes. taking place the weekend of the 7th and 8th, a £40,000 guaranteed main event with a £275 buy-in. 30-minute levels on day one, 40-minute levels on day two. The first two flights are on Friday, that's the uh, 6th of October. So that's at 2 p.m. and 8 p.m., days 1A and 1B. I will be there on the Saturday, the 7th of October, for day 1C, which is starting at 2 p.m. And then there is a day 1D, which is a turbo flight with 15-minute blinds starting at 8 p.m. on the Saturday. And then, of course, everyone who makes day two from those four day one flights will come back on the Sunday. I hope to be there on the Sunday as well. Uh, when there'll be 40-minute levels. So that should be a lot of fun. Really enjoy playing at the Hippodrome. Um, and It sounds like it sounds like what that must be a re-entry then, right? Like if you play day C and bust out, you can play the day 1D turbo. There is one re-entry per flight. And uh, I think it's also worth mentioning, James, that uh, you guys should go down to the Hippodrome and play with James, but no bounty. <laughs> no bounty on my head this time. Let's uh, give him a fighting chance. <laughs> I've got a decent record in these kind of low buy-in events, the Hippodrome, so I'm, I'm hoping to have another good result. Should also highlight that a big online promotion has now started, which is the Road to Bahamas. Now, kicking off 2018 for us, Joe, will be the PCA. We're going to be there. We're going to be live streaming the event. We're going to be making TV shows from the PCA, but we want as many actual players especially people who listen to this show who watch our live streams who follow the tv shows to be there as well there are so many opportunities to satellite into the pca and there is a huge promotion running between now and the beginning of november called the road to bahamas there are going to be a couple of ultra satellites one on the 15th of october the other on the 5th of november and there are going to be 100 packages total across ah, these package. two 
supersat. Would you like to know what's in the package? Yes. Is it a veiny package? 10K buy-in to the PCA main event. Free hotel accommodation worth more than $3,000 at the Atlantis. $1,000 in cash credited to your stars account that's for you so you can sort out your travel plus one thousand dollars credited on your room to spend at atlantis while you're there so this is basically a poker holiday you get a free trip to the bahamas with money for travel accommodation expenses plus you get 10k to play the pca main event as part of your holiday that is a girthy package i will agree uh packages are also going to be available in spin and goes so we're going to be sending plenty of spin-and-go qualifiers as well. Plus, they're going to be dropping a million dollars worth of PCA satellite tickets in Stars Rewards chests. Jeez. Plus, sit-and-goes, $55 multi-table tournament satellites, plus cash game daily challenges. So many ways to win a seat. We are hoping to see more than 400, hopefully 500 qualifiers playing in next year's PCA main event. I mean, not only is it fun to give away all those seats, and but like that should make for a really great event as well. I mean, it's gonna. I think the PCA is gonna be a blast this year, and I can say PCA again, haha, without being fined. Uh, while we're talking about online poker, Joe, we were gonna do adventures in online poker because obviously you played a lot of games on Sunday, including the poker in the years free roll. Do you think we should bank this for next week? Because I'm looking at the clock, we're running a little bit long. We're running long, and also, like, I want to make sure we give this section the attention it deserves. Like, we don't have a ton of poker content on the show all the time, and, you know, there are some actual hands to break down from this, at least for the, some of the things I played. We got the free roll to talk about. I played some of the actual Sunday tournaments. So, I really, I think we should push this also. I don't, I don't have a lot for next week yet, so, you know. It's a win-win. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, I, I definitely want to make sure this actually happens, though, because I did go back. I requested the hand histories for the last few hands that I played in the free roll, which were really ridiculous. And what's Great. hilarious, I've, I, I've, I'm not someone who studies hand histories, so I've never really requested them before. But when you get a hand history, not only does it give you all the actions of all the players, it also replicates what was being said at the chat box at the time. Oh, yeah. And there was plenty of observer chat during these three hands. So I'm having to wade through all of the observer comments to get to the meat and potatoes to recount these ridiculous hands. But we'll do that on next week's show. Perfect. Yeah, let's give that all the attention it deserves for now. Let's give some shit away, possibly. Yes. Let's skip forward then to this week's Superfan Contest. Superfan versus Stakes. So let's welcome to the show a man who made a cameo appearance on last week's episode. He is a self-pronounced math student and poker nut. Please welcome Christopher Wathen. Hey guys. Hello, Christopher Wathen. Welcome to Poker in the Ears. Huh? James, what do you think? You know last week when you said you were glad you didn't do your Chris Walken impersonation? Yeah. Yeah, I wish. Yeah. I, I really, really wish you'd applied that sentiment to this week's show Jeff as well. James, come on. <laughs> uh, Chris, I don't name similar, but <laughs> Chris, it's good to speak to you again. Thank you very much for coming to the Hippodrome last week and to our live show for our 100th episode. Uh, I mentioned your cameo appearance. You did help out Scuff in last week's Superfan game. Uh, you seem to have very good knowledge, a very strong recollection of Joe searching for his parents' dead cat. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I I went back through all the podcasts before the uh, Hippodrome, so 
was that strategic to go back and listen to all the podcasts or like you're kind of doing like what we do when like the new Fast and Furious comes out and just like rewatched all of them to catch up? Uh, half and half. Because it ended up working out. Yeah, I know. I mean, I got a dealer button, so that's adding to my collection. Boom. Well, we've got some more swag that you could potentially win today. And talking of winning, Chris, I believe, according to social media accounts, you cashed in the 5K online free roll this weekend. Yeah, I did better than both of you guys, didn't I? Oh, big fucking deal. What a big <laughs> man over here with his with his 11 cents cash. 49, actually. <laughs> wow, that's over four times what I said. <laughs> he forexed your projection. Um, now, Chris, remind us, you nominated two potential specialist subjects. We opted for the second one. Please remind us of what your first choice was. Uh, Jacobian matrices and determinants. Now, was that legit? Do you know something about that? Or did you were you just being funny by listing something ridiculous? Oh, no, that's just... Uh, that's calculus one, which I do at university. Wow. Way to make me feel like an idiot. Now, in, in the interests of, of two things, as you know, Chris, we've tried to refine the specialist subject so that Joe stands a fighting chance. But also, we need it to be something that the audience gives a shit about. So, understandably, that was vetoed. Instead, we have questions about Archer seasons one to three. Joe, I can't believe, considering the number of Archer references you make on every single show you do, that no one has nominated this before. It is a little weird. I guess maybe because Archer ca- kind of came late to the to the UK and Europe, possibly. I mean, that was also why I went back through all the episodes, because I couldn't believe that nobody had actually done it. Well, you are a trailblazer. Yeah, I mean, the amount of references you make to it, and I, f- I feel like it's such a key concept to the sh- show. It's got to be done. Well, I still like your chances. So here's the deal, Chris. We have got 10 questions kindly compiled by the interns. They volunteered. I did not force them. And you can pick any question between 1 and 10. They are all multiple choice questions. Two points if you can do it without taking the options. Uh, One point if you need the four choices. There are a few bonus questions as well. So get us started, Chris. Say a number between 1 and 10. Well, it's uh, always coming 7, so... There we go. Question number 7. In Season 1, Episode 1, Krieger is in an HR meeting with Pam. According to Archer, why is this? God. I can't even remember it, but I can't... It's... No one said these were going to be easy. <laughs> I'm going to have to take the multiple choice. I can't... Yeah. You're going to take the multiple choice options? Yeah, it slipped my mind. Okay. Is it because he is A, the desk shitter, B... <laughs> The food rapist, C, the Scranton Strangler, or D, the washroom flasher? Uh, it's B, the food rapist. It is. Four points. You are on the board. And Joe, you can pick your first question. Let us go with the number of seasons of Archer there have been, which I think is eight. Question number eight. You're not going with nine. That's your lucky number. I'm saving it. What is the name of Krieger's virtual girlfriend? I'm just going to talk it out a little bit. I think I'm going to go with the choices, but it's Nico or... Uh, give me the choices, please. Sorry. Is it Akemi Anime, Wakana Weeaboo, Mitsuko Miyazumi, or Tamako Tamagotchi? I think it's the first one. 
Akemi anime? Yeah. It's not. It was Mitsuku Miyazumi. Uh. Your second question, Chris. Uh, well, let's be sneaky and steal number nine from Joe. <gasps> oh, no. What is Pam's personal best for fitting pool balls in her mouth? Oh, it was free, but I believe she tried to beat it. I can't remember if she did. Because mm, she ended up swallowing them. And then that led to an awkward moment in the toilet. Are you going to give bonus points for all this superfluous <laughs> shit? No, I'm basically going to give you two points if you can say a number, oh. or I'm going to give you one point if you have to take the multiple choice options. I'm going to have to say three, but I think she might have beaten it. She did beat it. The answer was four. Yeah. Joe, you are down one nil. It is still an open game, and you can choose your second question, but remember, seven, eight, and nine have gone. Let's go with ten. Question number 10. What is the name of Krieger's fully integrated multi-fetish sex bot? Go on. You want the options, don't you? Is yes, it please. A, Fista Roboto? B, Kit, the Kink Industries 2000? Is it C, Rock'em Cock'em Robot? Or D, Will E? As in Willy. <laughs> uh, can you read A and B again, please? A was Fista Roboto, and B was the Kink Industries 2000 kit. Oof. Easy one, Joe. Come on. I'm gonna go with Fista Roboto. It is for a point, and there is a bonus question Woo! attached to this. What is the, according to Krieger, what is the best part about the sex bot? Um. <laughs> the screams. Chris, you can steal for a point. Oh. I want, I want to say something to do with choking, but... No, um, it's that yeah. it learns. Uh, we have a tight game, and Chris, it's your round. Pick a question, please. One through six. I'm going for number one. Number one. What code is frequently used to access high-security objects and items. This is a tough one. Um... Would you like the options? Yeah, I'm just trying to think if, if it's a numerical code or... It is a combination of numbers and letters. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the, uh, the options. Okay, is it 914TZY? 924TYX, 934TXS, or 944TWV? Oh, God. Um... This one is hard as shit. This is crazy. I know, even I'm not. <laughs> uh, I'll go for B. It was actually C. Now, there is a bonus question. <laughs> wow. How many times does this code make an appearance in the first three seasons of Archer? Uh, we'll go for seven. Actually, nine. So when we said it made frequent appearances, it really did. Uh, Joe, two to six available. Still a tied game, one point apiece. Number two, please. What are Archer's three biggest fears? Two points if you can name them without the multiple choice options. 
But I need all three. A partial answer will not get you any points. Yeah, I, I can't get all three. Okay, is it snakes, bullfrogs, and hemorrhoids? Sharks, piranhas, and trench foot? Lobsters, crayfish, and lockjaw? Or alligators, crocodiles, and brain aneurysms? Alligators, crocodiles, and aneurysms. For a point, and Joe has a 2-1 yeah. lead. Which question would hey, you like next? Hey, hey, C Christopher, this has never happened before. I hope, you don't end up, I hope you don't end up a giant loser. <laughs> I'll make sure to get my revenge, don't worry. Three, four, five, or six, Chris. Uh, go for lucky number four. Lucky number four. In the fourth episode of Archer, this is season one, Cheryl changes her name for a fourth time. What does she change it to? Karina. Correct, for two points. Wow, he just fucking... He's just like, oh, do I need two points? Boom. Joe, you're now one point behind, but it's your question. If you score a point here, it's a tied game going into the final round. Three, five, or six, please. Three. What is the name of Cheryl's ocelot? Oh, man, what is the name of Cheryl's ocelot? Oh, I'll take the choices. Is it Babu, Tabby, Cuddles? It's Babu, it's Babu for yeah. a point. Tied game. Here we go. Penult uh, final question for you, Chris. Five or six? <laughs> uh, go for five. Five. It's, you've drawn the easy one. What drug is Woodhouse addicted to? Oh, heroin. He is for two points. And Joe, that leaves you with question number six. What was the name of the magazine that made several appearances in season one, episodes five and six? I have to get this without the choices, don't I? Well, here's the thing. There is a bonus question attached. So you could get one point, And then if you were to score another point for getting the bonus question correct, we'd have a tied game. I need the choices. Okay, was it France Soir? France Nuit, France Matin, or Frenchie's Gone Wild? Francois. No, it was France Matin. <sighs> Shit. But can you get the bonus question? What did the front cover feature? Uh, the Eiffel Tower. No, it was two Odin agents and Krieger's Formula K gay drug. Uh, the final <laughs> score at the end of this Archer-themed quiz is three points to Joe Stapleton, but five points to our superfan, Chris well then, congratulations, Chris. Thank you. We will send Woo! you, and everyone loves a chop pot hoodie, and to complete your... Do you have the chipset yet, Chris? Uh, I don't, actually, no. Well, there we go. Let's keep the PokerStars gaming merchandise flowing in your general direction. To add to your button, let's give you a mini chipset as well. Those prizes will be winging their way to your student accommodation soon. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. And thank you very much for coming on the show. There is. Thanks, guys. Man, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little disappointed in myself for those were hard questions, though. The Archer questions. Uh, nice work to uh, the interns who uh, did those Archer questions. Uh, maybe let's uh, make them a little less weird. Like, what password did someone? Do? Whatever. Anyway, that's almost all the time we got. <laughs> For this week's show, next week we're recording two episodes. Yes. Hold on a second. Let me look up what episode number next week is going to be. Well, let, ah, me, let, me, let me give you a clue. This week is 101. <laughs> 
So what's going on with these two episodes? Okay, so basically uh, we're going to take some time off the week after, which means that we're doing a back-to-back recording session, but we're still going to release like episode 102 next week and episode 103 the week after that. Episode 102 is going to be a normalish show. We'll have poker news. We'll have a recap of the London series event that I'm playing this weekend. We'll do adventures we'll in adventures online poker. Well. Exactly. But episode 103 is going to be a bad poker movies special. Now, there are two really appalling poker films that were made in the mid-2000s. One is called Lucky You, and the other is called Deal. I have seen them both before, but I will be revisiting these films, and we're going to basically steal the format that the guys who do the uh, How Did This Get Made podcast follow, which is we're going to break down these movies scene by scene. Now, I managed to track down Lucky You on iTunes and rented it, Deal, the only way I could get hold of it was to buy the fucking DVD. So Uh, Amazon got £3.99 of my money, and I'll be watching that this weekend. I fear that Deal is even worse than Lucky You, which is saying something. Uh, But yeah, we're going to be breaking down these movies, so we really want you to watch them as well. Consider this like a book club assignment, and we want you to share your opinions. Watch the movies, tell us your thoughts share your opinions and let us know if you want to be our lucky you slash deal super fan you can answer questions on one movie or both i'll leave it up to you and i will offer a 109 dollar pca satellite ticket to anyone who wants to come on that show to answer questions about bad poker movies also if you just want to tweet in with your thoughts we would love to yes. hear them you know uh, social media wise I especially want to hear from you if you have an argument as to why either one of these movies is good Absolutely we want your hot take on why we should not be considering these to be bad poker movies I just realized I remembered earlier on today Joe that I actually have a lucky you story I don't know oh, whether nice. you, I don't know whether you remember but back in 2006 at the World Series of Poker, I think that was the year you were in Vegas for like 50 consecutive days, they actually had the launch of Lucky You at the Rio in the Penn & Teller Theatre because it was meant to come out in September 2006. The movie got pushed back by 12 months, which should tell you something very important, (laughs) that it's no good. Um, I got so bored during the launch of Lucky You, where they were trying to blow smoke up their own asses and show clips from this amazing poker movie that should have been good, by the way, because Curtis Hansen is a talented director. He made LA Confidential. Howard Swains and I, from the PokerStars blog, went across the road to the Gold Coast, a casino that no longer exists, and we decided... No, it's still there. The Gold Coast is still there. Is it really? I thought it had gone. Yeah, no, we used to co- uh, we used to go over there, too, when I was at the World Series. We might Fantastic. have played... We might have played two four limit together, James. That's exactly what we played. We sat down <laughs> in a two four limit game, which, as excruciating as it sounds, was marginally a better option than being at the launch of Lucky You across the road at the Rio. It's a race. This one had the slight mathematical advantage. So playing in this 2-4 game, and I'm sure that anyone who's been to Vegas knows what a 2-4 game at the Gold Coast must look like. Yes, every single cliche ticked. A lady sat down next to me at the table and she was either French or French-Canadian and I decided in my pre-GCSE English to say to her, Bonjour, je m'appelle James, j'habite à Londres. At which point the dealer snapped his fingers and said, English only at the table, sir. At which point I responded, 
are you fucking kidding me? At which point I was ejected from the table and escorted off the premises. It is the only time in my life that I've ever been thrown out of a casino. <laughs> I can't believe you got 86 from the Gold Coast. They're doing you a fucking favor. So that is my one lucky you anecdote that doesn't relate to the movie itself. We're going to break down those movies next week on episode 103. Uh, so please apply now to be the super fan for that show. Um, Joe, before you close us out, I have one thing to say to you. Yes. Happy birthday. Have a good day. Oh, thanks. It's wonderful. It's, you know, I'm always playing that for someone else, but it's nice when someone does it for me. Oh, and thanks a lot. To the people in the office uh, who, who got a card together for me, everyone signed it. I think I left it there, to be honest, but I did read every single uh, signature before I did. So thanks, guys. I can't think of any better way to celebrate turning 43 than going to see Blade Runner 2049. I know. I'm so close. Six more years and I'll have caught up to, uh, to the... <laughs> whatever it doesn't really matter hey guys that's all the time we got for this week's show do not forget to click like and rate and send us a review that's a good way to get your name read on the show absolutely please subscribe as well we love ourselves very much so you leave us a kind review we're probably going to read it on the air come on uh until next week and our double dose of uh bad movie action that we'll be recording for james hardigan i am joe stapleton smell you later (laughs) 